the growth potential for Latch could definitely be cut short by an acquisition from from one of these uh, competitors in the smart home space, but also, you know, like ADT or anything like that. Yeah. Let's just hope it's not Facebook. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no one's buying that. Hello and welcome to Intern Insights. Today, we're joined by Jamie Luco, an exciting guest for us. He's all over the place, creating solid investing content. So I would not be surprised if you've actually seen his work already somewhere. He's younger than us, but already writing for Seeking Alpha uh, and The Motley Fool as well. Uh, so today he's joining us to talk about a company that we're all excited about called Latch. Uh, this is a company that I keep saying is reinventing the doorknob and transforming spaces in their own words. So we'll see what that's all about. Also, we're featured this week on StockCard.io. Um, really exciting partnership that we actually use. So if you want to go ahead and sign up for StockCard, check out the link in the description and use the promo code intern. So Connor, we're talking about Latch. What does this company do? Yeah, so Latch has a very um, interesting mission statement. It is making spaces better to live, work, and visit. Um, you know, it's very dramatic. But, you know, I think that is somewhat what they're what they are doing. Um, so what they're known for um, primarily is their new doorknobs. And so their doorknobs are basically something that they make that connects with your phone. Um, and it's used in a bunch of different apartments and offices where if you go to enter a room and your phone is in the vicinity, it'll automatically unlock. And if your phone you know, exits the vicinity of the doorknob, then it'll automatically lock. Um, so, you know, that's super convenient for a lot of people don't have to have a key. Um, you know, it's, it's safe for a lot of people. You don't ever forget to leave your door unlocked. Um, they make money through their hardware that they have obviously selling the doorknobs. Um, and then they have like their smart system, um, which is, you know, installing them in apartment complexes. And then they have like a recurring revenue model where it's seven to $12 a month for an apartment complex owner um, to basically have this, you know, software in every single unit throughout his apartment. So Jamie is, you know, the, the specialist on um, Latch. He, he actually brought it to our attention. Um, so if there's anything else about the business, you know, that Jamie, that you want to bring up real quick before we move on. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, an expert, but it's definitely one of my, uh, one of my favorite companies in my portfolio. I like right I like now. to over promote our guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so so you know, as Connor mentioned, they they're they're selling locks, and right now that's currently their um, you know the the majority of their revenue. But what what really excites me as an investor and just as a consumer in general is the software. And um, you know, Connor briefly explained this um, the the app that can let residents into their apartments just you know with their phone in the vicinity, eliminating keys for the most part. Um, and, and that's super interesting. You know, it mitigates so much risk from these apartment managers who are often managing apartment complexes with 50, 100 or more apartments in, in one complex. You know, these the customers of Latch are massive buildings. Um, and so this getting rid of locks and, and keys is um, it, it's just super interesting because it mitigates so much risk of having to remake keys or switch locks when a tenant gets evicted or, you know, if there's a, a harsh um, relationship there after, after an eviction, um, you know, all they have to do is just remove them from the app um, instead of going out and hunting down for a key or anything like that um, or, or switching a lock. 
Um, and the other, the other part of their software is called Latch Manager, which is like, for me, it's the holy grail of their software. It basically allows managers to get a bird's eye view of everything that's going on in their apartment building. Um, you know, they can establish access rules, granting access to certain people, restricting access to others. Um, and they can view access history for common spaces like delivery rooms, um, you know, that allows these apartment managers to spot theft and breaking in. You know, if, if Zane's apartment is opened at midnight and the apartment manager knows that Zane's, you know, across the country for a meeting, it's pretty safe to say that that, that wasn't uh, granted or authorized or something like that. And, you know, it, it, it's all put onto one um, website where the apartment manager can literally just see everything. And it's just um, very interesting on um, getting rid of these um, security risks um, just by bringing software to this industry that just hasn't had software ever before. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a simple piece of technology that they're doing, but it seems so useful. Like I know personally, you know, I have my house key, my car key, everything on, you know, one thing. And I, I have a tile. Do y'all use tiles? Do y'all have those? No, I don't know what those are. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I have one uh, connected to my AirPods because I lose my AirPods all the time. <laughs> I've, I've got them connected to my AirPods too. Um, yeah. And so it seems like it's such an easy thing where you don't have to worry about your house key anymore. You know, it's just your phone. And I, I feel like it's going to move into, you know, everything like your car is going to connect to your phone. I, I just see that happening in the next few years. So I think Latch is definitely a early mover here, um, especially with, with doorknobs and, and these locks that, that they're building and obviously working really well. So. Yeah, you guys hit really well on the, the business itself. I think the coolest part for me is that it's a win-win for both the renter and the property manager. Like Jamie, you were saying that they can uh, manage everything. They save money on replacing keys and things like that. But from my perspective, if I were renting one of these apartments, I'd love to have this telling me that I don't need to have another key. I can just use my phone. That can be more secure, things like that. So really stands out to me. Yeah. One, one thing, and I know we'll touch on risks later, um, but this is something to think about too, is like you do have your information on your house being locked or unlocked in a data server somewhere. Um, you know, so security is definitely something that they have to look forward to. Um, but we'll get we'll touch on risks a little bit later. Um, but Jamie, if you want to talk about, you know, some of the opportunity, um, what the competition is looking like, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so as you said, Connor, there's tons of, of risk associated with this business. This business has such a small revenue base, um, but its opportunity is just absolutely massive. Um, they stated that their total addressable market is uh, $54 billion domestically just in the U.S., and their international addressable market is $90 billion. Um, and they, they were a SPAC, so their um, their SPAC sponsor, Tishman Spire, is they're they're really promoting that as um, their gateway into the international market. Um, so international growth is clearly one major, major, major um, um, growth opportunity. But you know, honestly, the other one is just if they keep doing what they're doing. Um, you know, as one of you guys uh, will probably talk about in, in more depth, um, they're a very young company with a very small revenue base right now. Um, I, I think they made just um, just like $9 million in their recent quarter. I, I 
that's coming off the top of my head. I don't know that for certain, but um, they're a very small company with just like 400,000 uh, units booked, not even apartment buildings, but individual apartments um, booked for their for using their software. So if, you know, as long as they just 400,000, I'm pretty sure. But, but in that 400,000, there's some pretty impressive names. Uh, let me oh, yeah. Real quick, they have Brookfield Properties, which is huge property group, Toll Brothers, uh, big around me. Um, and, you know, too many to name here, but it seems like they're getting traction in big names that matter too. Yeah, Brookfield Properties, that's like one of, you know, a lot, a lot of people's favorite REITs. It's performed really well and it's, it's been great. So sorry, yeah. Jamie, we, we interrupted you. <laughs> no, don't worry. I mean, the fact that they, they have gotten some of these huge um apartment builders already is is just insane um there there are two other things that just blow me away with this company um 30 of new apartment buildings in the u.s right now are being built with latch installed in it and since they started making revenue in 2017 not one customer has stopped using latch which is just absolutely insane. It's retention. It's net retention rate is 154 um, with with no churn whatsoever in their business um, since the start of their operations. And that's just crazy testimonial to show, you know, how much their customers like their product. Yeah, I think they, they talk about that a lot is no customer churn, like not one customer churn. They talk about that a lot, um, which, you know, is impressive. I don't know if that'll last forever um, with some competition coming into the market, depending mm -hmm. on what that is. But um, for right now, I mean, that's that's really impressive and you love to see that. Yeah, for for the customers also stuck out to me. So they're on really long term contracts. I think their average length is about six years, but they can go up to 10 years for their software. And it's amazing, these, these apartment uh, owners will actually pay all of the software fees up front. They'll pay like six years of software all up front. Um, I think 90% or 97% of them are, are doing that. And then also to touch on the opportunity, I think post COVID, um, a lot of developers are gonna wanna be thinking about touchless entry, um, You know, how are you reducing cross-contamination this way you just have your phone put it up um and there's actually a survey done that showed that a lot of people um post-covid or developers post-covid are looking into solutions like that yeah i wonder so like as far as taking the the software costs up front um you know that's i think that could be a positive and it could be a negative um, you know, if it was three to four year contracts, I would feel a little bit better about it. You know, obviously they're trying to expand. Um, but what if something happens, you know, with the developing industry where, you know, not a lot of apartment complexes are being built? You know, I don't know if this is something that a lot of I, I would be interested to see how many um, apartment complexes switch versus new ones being built with latch. Um, I don't, I don't know what that is like for them. Um, you know, how many of their customers are new apartments versus how many are current yeah. switching? It's mostly new, right, mostly Jamie? New. Yeah. See, I'm, yeah. I'm, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was, I was just going to say that could be, that could be a concern. You know, if, if the economy didn't do well and they're taking all these costs up front, and then you have a quarter in the next two to three years where, hey, nothing's being built right now. Where's our revenue at? Yeah, that I mean, 
that's definitely a very you know big concern um one one thing that you know when i think of that that kind of eases my worries is just the immense switching costs of getting rid of all of the locks and installing new ones um you know these these locks are being built before the the building you know, uh, you know is is inhabited you know um and going six years with using these locks and then all of a sudden trying to get rid of all the locks replace them with new ones get people um you know um used to new software after they've already been using six months of, of latch software i think those high switching costs both um you know in monetary terms and also just getting used to the product are just so high that really switching away from this i i think and you know i'm not a building manager i don't know those exact costs but i would um you know i would have to believe that those are just so high yeah that's a that that would be a great competitive advantage for them for sure so switching costs you love to see that in a lot of businesses um is there any other you know competitive advantages that that you can think of that are you know reasons that people wouldn't switch or you know go away from it yeah well i mean the they have a product ecosystem um you know we we we've been saying continuously that it's you know it's the lock and it's the software but they also have um delivery management um an intercom software that integrates with the delivery management um smart home connectivity um and smart access um and you know all of these are add-ons from the basic um you know lock and software that just continue to enable this um, modern technology-based apartment complex, um, and you know I can I can go into any of those specific um, additional products if if you want. Um, you know if you're curious about any of them, but um, you know as consumers, as the managers, you know add on the delivery service the delivery management service oh then you have to add on the intercom to uh you know make sure the delivery people are getting in smoothly and hey why not tack on the um the, the smart home accessibility with and you know partnerships with uh smart home providers it, those kinds of things um just provide a huge um product ecosystem that i think is really strong for the company yeah another thing that could kind of be an advantage is the way that they look is really well designed they keep talking about it, but um, I think they've won multiple competitions for like hardware design uh, with their products. And I was like, why are they so focused on that? But then I realized that so much of their management came right from Apple. And I think their chief product designer uh, was a senior designer at Apple. So I guess that makes sense. I had that in my notes. I thought I was going to be able, I was, I thought I was going to be the one to pull that out and surprise everybody. <laughs> Darn, you got, got to it first. Yeah, no, when, when I first looked at this business and I was like looking at the investor presentation and just the investor relations page and the logs, I was like, wow, this is like, it's sleek, it's modern. Do you know what company it reminds me of? Apple. It, it's yeah. just, <laughs> the, the design is, is, is so similar and it did not surprise me at all to see those uh, four Apple execs on the board um, or ex-Apple executives on the board. Yeah. yeah, I love to see that for sure. I wonder, so as far as, is this solely with apartments? Like, do they only work with apartments or do, are they doing this with homes too? Because I know home construction is taking off like crazy right now. Um, so I'd be interested to know whether, you know, they're involved with that. 
we might as well ask about hotels too. Yeah, and hotels. Ooh. I've never like, thought about hotels, but hotels seem like a very um, easy integration. Um, but you know, as for their, their what they currently operate in, it's right now it's only apartments as well as commercial buildings. Um, so you know, the nine to five uh, businesses that operate in you know large um, business complexes, things like that. Um, those are their two growth opportunities right now. Um, homes does seem like a interesting one, but I think that um, you know having just one customer only paying that $7 a month for five, six people, as opposed to the large um, complexes where they're paying $7 to $12 per apartment. Um, I, I haven't thought about it as much, but I remember reading something in a transcript um, from one of their um, earnings calls saying that um, the financial benefits of going into homes is less appealing than it is to go into than to stay in apartments and apartment complexes and stuff like that but that hotel seems like a very interesting growth opportunity because it's very very similar um yeah that would that would make sense for if you're trying to scale it and get it off the ground um go to apartments you know like i think that's a wise decision from management um for long term you know you could definitely can see the optionality of this business where they could move into homes and they could move into hotels and they could do a variety of different things um you know even like you're talking about like self self storage units and stuff like that like i think they have a ton of different um like you, you're talking about locks here you know like locks go on everything so but i, I, I more think, than that they're also integrating it into the whole home ecosystem or like they could even the, in the apartments they can connect with the thermostat um or the light switches whatever it might be yeah i'd be i'd be interested you know i so there was there was a study done by freddie mac and it's that the u.s is two and a half million homes short right now like we have a home shortage basically right now and um, we need to build two and a half million homes in order to meet that you know, that expectation or that goal um, to have enough homes. And that would drive home prices down if they can meet that. And so I think that's a market that they could tap into in the future that I'd be excited about. Um, obviously, you know, if they're trying to build up some free cash flow that they don't have right now or um, a profitability, you know, I don't think homes is something that they should be doing currently. Uh, but that's something that gets me excited for the future, definitely, because there is a large opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. Before, go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, um, just real quick. They, they, you know, clearly they have plenty of growth opportunities. But um, in in my opinion, I don't even think they need to ex access these yet within the next few years. Even um, like, like like I had said before, they have a revenue of just nine million dollars and four hundred thousand and change um, units booked, as compared to their ninety three million. Um, you know, apartments available or as as their addressable market. Um, you know, so just keep doing what they're doing for a little bit until they gain some sort of market penetration, stick to their guns, and then focusing on some of those growth opportunities, I think is a very feasible growth <laughs> growth strategy for their, you know, for five years. Yeah. yeah, like you talk about you talk about optionality and then you talk about ease of optionality. Um, like there's a lot of businesses that can get into other stuff. Like you talk about Amazon getting into the pharmaceutical business. Well, yeah, like they've got the cash to do it and they can do it. 
but is it kind of like a seamless integration of their e-commerce business into pharmaceuticals? Not really. Like that's that's a whole different thing. Um, but when you talk about ease of optionality, like it is, it's just the easiest thing in the world for Latch to just move from apartments to houses. And I think that's that's great to have. Yeah. I also think we're kind of sleeping on the competitive advantage that is there. I mean, we've talked about their product, but if you think about it, they're selling to probably the most cost sensitive possible customer. Like if you're selling a product to landlords, they're, you know, they're known for wanting to do the bare minimum um, to like keep up their apartment or whatever property it is to just keep collecting rent. So the fact that they have this really nice value proposition that even landlords are willing to spend on it is is cool. It's not like you're selling to your everyday consumer that is willing to spend, you know, 500 bucks on a pair of Yeezys or whatever. This is like cost sensitive landlords. Yeah, to put that um that benefit into monetizable terms in their investor presentation they had talked about um landlords being able to increase the average um rent price by $500 per year while decreasing expenses by up to $300 per year. So, I mean, that's a max of $800 per year per apartment on, you know, these massive apartment buildings. That just, it's, it's insane. It's like an extra month of rent. I mean, yeah, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and and you talk, so for example, there's some, there's some, uh, it's like a housing complex down in Auburn, Alabama at the university. And it's, you know, student housing and they've all got little keys, like fobs, key fobs on their uh, like keychains, and you can just tap it against the thing and it unlocks and then same thing with locking. And it seems like it's such a, like the houses look so nice, you know, like you talk about mm-hmm. like university housing and a lot of it looks pretty nice, but you go knock on the wall and it feels paper thin. So, so you know, it's obviously landlords are looking to keep that price low while also making it look nice. And so that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about just having that good perception and that like Apple style, you know, where it's just nice to look at almost like it's got the aesthetics, which I think is is good to have. Yeah. So I was going to move us forward into the financials a little bit. It wasn't worth taking a lot of notes for me. So over the last year, their their loss has grown, but at the same time, their revenue is up over two hundred percent over the past year, um, and their bookings and their booked annual recurring revenue is up over a hundred percent each. So, if you guys want to add anything, feel free. Uh, the big question to me to me is uh, is this sustainable? Yeah, I mean, I can I can go first here. They're expenses and the profitability are not pretty to look at you know we've we've been hyping up this this story and this optionality and this opportunity but yeah. the financials are a completely different story it's 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 not pretty um but you know the the figure that i focus on for this business is the total bookings um of 96 million in the recent quarter um and 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 that's because of the time it takes and when latches um agreements to be installed in buildings occurred you know these these agreements to be installed in buildings come up to um two years before they actually see money from um from the agreement you know these these agreements are being done before the building has even um you know in construction um and so these these bookings will come within the next two years or should come within the next two years because it's a written agreement um and um 
but but that's why it's not pushed down to revenue yet because I actually you know haven't received anything because it's not being used yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so that's, that's for for me when I'm looking at their financials, what I'm looking for over the next few quarters, and I haven't bought Latch. Um, I, I think I may buy Latch in the future, depending on if they meet my expectations. And some some of those expectations are if you're taking the costs up front, if you're getting a bunch of bookings. I think you should be free cash flow positive within the next year. Like I really, I really do think that they should be. And if they're not, you know, that might be a concern for me and keep me away from buying them. So both analysts that I've looked at um, and management are expecting 2023 free cash flow um, positive. Um, but what's interesting about that is they might be free cash flow positive before they actually show positive net income and like the earnings are positive. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And that basically comes from taking a lot of uh, revenue upfront instead of taking it over the years of the contract. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense to me. Yeah. So, as, so, as, yeah. I was just going to say real quick as uh, you know, a tech investor in very small non-profitable growth companies, you looking at free cash flow. um, at least in for for me is more important than um, profitability, especially for these really young companies. If they have a you know a constant recurring free cash flow that is that is large, I'm I'm okay with the company not being profitable as long as the company's moving towards profitability. And while the financials don't show that they're moving really towards profitability right now because their net loss is just you know skyrocketing, um, and um, you know the the opportunity for for them to um, become profitable and then free cash flow positive in 2023 is um, is what's keeping my my hopes up for this company. Yeah, they might just have to figure out pricing too. I mean, especially with the supply chain the way it is, inflation possibly, they might find out, wow, we can charge a lot more for this. Yeah. yeah. But sure. um, I was going to move on to the management um, and talk about their CEO um, who worked at Apple. Um, and he owns about 4% of the company. I'm curious, Jamie, if you have any thoughts on him or the management in general. Um, I think that they have really good backgrounds and like they probably have strong technical skills, but at the same time, they're really young. I think the average age is uh, like young 30s uh, for their senior level management. Yeah, they're all very, very young um, for the most part, but um, their their resumes are outstanding for me. Um, you know, like I said, four of them are ex Apple employees. We have a couple Google. Um, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, the co-founder led um, COO and I believe it's the CEO. Um, both of them are co-founders. They're both really young, and while that could be a risk for their um, you know, ability to run a business. It also means that if they're successful, they could be at the helm for decades. They're, you know, they could be there for a long time. And um, I like to see us with, I'm sure, a lot of um, people at the Motley Fool. We, we like seeing um, founder-led businesses um, for, you know, many, many years. And so while they're, while they're super young and that poses a risk, um, I really see it as, a, as an opportunity for this company to be a um, founder-led for so many years to come. Yeah. Do we have an idea of what the ownership looks like for management? I don't think it's a lot. Given that they uh, came public through a SPAC, 
there's a lot of shares that were um, bought up by the pipe investors. So I don't think it's a lot. I think the um, CEO has 4%, the other co-founder or one of the other co-founders has like 1%. I don't think it's um, anything super high. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 4%, that, that's pretty, pretty good chunk. Yeah. Um, so Connor, on, I was going to um, bring it on to the risks if you wanted to, to segue to that, because, you know, having the young management could be a risk. There were other risks that you were thinking of as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we taught, we touched on a few of them. Um, you know, the fact that they're not free cash flow positive. Um, you know, young management team, just like what you're saying. And then I, I touched on one earlier, and I, I can't remember which one it is. Um, yeah, say a, a, just a a privacy risk. I think there is a privacy risk here um, to where if they had a data breach, uh, that could be detrimental to their business. Um, so they need some good cybersecurity. I don't know what they're doing for that. Um, that would be something to look into if we were taking a, a deep, deep dive into them. Um, but you know, it, you, you definitely want to see them focus on cybersecurity because that could be really, really detrimental for them. <laughs> Even following more in Apple's footsteps of like being the privacy brand, they might have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for me, the privacy is you know the nail in the coffin. If they, if something happens, um, you know they're they're priding themselves on their ability to maintain security and in, in their apartment complexes. And if they can't even keep their own software secure, I mean, that's you know that that's a major risk in my opinion. Um, but also adding on to no no profitability and negative free cash flow, the company's gross margins are nine percent. Um, and last quarter, I believe, uh, not uh, Q1 2021, I believe they were even net in uh, gross margin negative. Um, they're losing money hand over fist on their uh, on their hardware, and the only part where their um, gross margins are positive is their software. Now, granted, you know, software margins are over 90%, which is outstanding, but you know, um, their gross margins are very, very poor as well, and they're trading at astronomical um, valuations. Yeah, this kind of goes back to growth a little bit, but I feel like I have to bring this up. Their daily app sessions per user uh, for Latch is more than just about anything uh, from 2019. They had 4.6 average daily um, sessions on the app per user, while the average dating app had about 3.5, food delivery 1.4, social network 2.7, which is insane. And I think that kind of opens up a whole option for having a marketplace. Like they're already partnering with Lemonade um, for renter's insurance. So you can just buy it in the app, with, which I think is a genius move for both of them. But beyond that, you could have like um, arrangements where, you know, there could be advertising revenue that comes from that or some kind of latch marketplace or who knows. Yeah, another another risk to me would be a potential big player like Google um, getting into this area because you know they they have things like Google Home where I mean it's just seamlessly integrated with lights you know every every your kitchen everything in your house so if Google were to make that switch why would you have Latch versus Google you know where on your phone you can you know, check your oven, you can check your lights, you can do everything, but why is your doorknob 
block something different. So I can see that being a potential problem. Um, but a lot of times when you talk about a big player, like I know a lot of people have overreactions when Amazon tries to get into a new business and then it ends up being nothing. You know, you saw that with Etsy. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon tried to basically do exactly what Etsy's doing. Everyone freaked out. Etsy's stock dropped. A lot of shareholders were concerned. And then Etsy's just chugging along, doing just fine. And so it could be, you know, an overreaction if something like that were to happen, but it's something to think about. Not so much of a risk, but more of a, I would be really sad if it happened, it would be an acquisition target. I mean, this company is under one and a half billion dollars um, for the, for its valuation. And it, it does have partners with um, big smart home providers like Google, like uh, Egobee, for example. And, you know, any one of those companies, if they wanted to get into security, like Google, Google could, you know, very easily just pick them up and and have this, you know, thriving business. And it could, you know, the growth potential for Latch could definitely be cut short by an acquisition from, from one of these uh, competitors in the smart home space, but also, you know, like ADT or anything like that. Yeah, let's just hope it's not Facebook. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no one's buying that. I don't know, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying Facebook, I, I think. That's a whole other subject, but I think it's a slight overreaction. I, I, just mean, I just mean a latch of Facebook spy cam on your door. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. No, no thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's one more thing that I want to touch on um, that we did briefly touch on, but I don't think we kind of said the importance of it is that partnership that they have with Tishman Spire, which is who they went public through their SPAC with. Um, if I'm if I remember correctly, Tishman Spire is a developer themselves, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of a competitive advantage that they have over anybody else trying to do what they're doing. Um, you know, I don't I don't see anybody like I don't see a startup succeeding over latch right now. Like I don't think there's any startup competition to worry about. Um, because of their management and because of this partnership with Tishman Spire, because Pitchman's Fire gives them an entryway. Like they are the doorway into the market and they're, they have a very close relationship with them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the SPAC merger made sense for them because of that. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit, I don't know, rushed maybe, but having that advantage of, oh, you know, we can test out our product here with a partner rather than like, a customer that's going to have higher expectations could be really valuable. Yeah. Having that trusted partner, you know, of a company that is very experienced in this, you know, whole area of, of, of the market that Latch is operating in is definitely um, much better than partnering with some random uh, spec, you know, to bring them public and creating that relationship um, definitely allows them to not only potentially work together, but just, um, you know, providing experience. And um, I, I, I was very happy to see that Tish to Inspire was the one bringing Latch public. And, um, yeah. Cool. So I think that about wraps it up. Is me. there anything else? Is, yeah. Is there anything else that... Um... I don't have anything more to say, but Jamie, do you have anything? No? All good? Well, Jamie, thanks for yeah, thanks good. for coming on today. Yeah, of course. It was awesome. Uh, awesome being on with you guys talking about one of my favorite, one of my favorite companies. <laughs> yeah, um, Zane, but, you want to close it up? 
Yeah, sure. So thanks for listening in, everybody. Hope to have you again next week. Like I said, don't forget, check out stockcard.io and use promo code intern if you're interested in building your own portfolio um, or checking out ours.